Welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast. Hobby Primer, assembling your miniatures. Hey guys, ready for some upcoming events in the Malifaux world? Don't sound so excited. Shut up! Uh, there's a tournament February 1st at Brainstorm Comics in Walkersville, Maryland. 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 Uh, IndieCon, January 31st through February 2nd in Indianapolis, Indiana. Battle of Georgian Bay, Saturday, February 1st at Jack's on Queens in Elmville, Ontario. Captain Con, February 7th through 9th in Warwick, 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 Rhode Island. Tournament at Huzzah Hobbies on Sunday, February 9th in Sterling, Virginia. Faux Moines in the Soulstone Tower, February 22nd at Mayhem Comics and Games in Des Moines, Iowa. Very first tournament at the Dragon's Lair in Hackettstown, New Jersey on Sunday, February 23rd. And the tournament at the Geek Room, Omaha, Nebraska on Saturday, February 29th. Hi everyone. Welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels. I'm your host, Mr. Douglas Scoundrels. Now I bet you're wondering, hey, Douglas, Mr. Scoundrels. Why don't you have some dumb joke where you take someone out of context and make them look like an idiot? Well, today, the only idiot here is me. I mean, I'm, I'm recording by myself. Real weird, huh? Right? So I was talking with Victoria about the whole faction primer thing, about how it kind of feels good to do something that's actually informative and helpful to new people that are joining the hobby. So, while we're still recording those, or attempting to record them, I figured I could do a few other things to help out, as it were. And one of the few things I actually know how to do is assemble and paint models. So today, I'm going to go over basics and maybe some more advanced tips on how to assemble models. And if I really like this episode, then we'll do more about basing and painting, all that fun jazz. So I figured one of the best ways to do this is to just assemble a model. I know, great idea. Have a podcast episode about something that requires your eyes. Just the smartest thing to do, but however, you can use your imagination. So I normally, like, assemble my stuff almost right away after I buy it, but I found this guy lying around. It's a Scorpius! I know, right? Like, Scorpius was the best model in second edition. Why would I have it unassembled, sitting in a box. Uh, the reason is that because I never played Marcus. I own him, but I haven't gotten around to playing him yet. But uh, this guy looks really cool, and I might finally get around to playing Marcus this edition, so let's go ahead and assemble this boy. So, um, first things first, supplies. Things you need to assemble models. Um, the basics would pretty much be some kind of glue. I would recommend plastic glue if you can get it, but, um, super glue works fine if you have that. Some snips. How would I describe these things? They kind of look like pliers, but they're kind of relatively sharp, used for cutting. Um, any sort of hobby store will have them. If you go to your local gaming store, if they've got miniatures, I'm sure they've got snips. Last but not least, a exacto knife. Exacto knife can be used for a lot of things. I have a couple extra tools that I use in place of it, but um, Exacto knife will get you exactly what you want. So, additional stuff 
if you'd really like it. Um, super glue, or the other version of glue. So if you have uh, plastic cement, go ahead and get super glue. It's just a general purpose, really useful. And uh, if you have super glue, I recommend getting plastic glue because it's generally better for assembling plastic models. After that would be... I don't know someone's going to hate me for this, but I actually really enjoy the Games Workshop mold line remover. It's a stupid, overpriced tool, but it's just useful for me. I don't know if any other company makes it, so um, please tell me if you've got something similar. But basically it is, is just a uh, almost wedge-shaped piece of metal that isn't sharp on any side. But it's got a nice curve to it, and you just drag it along uh, where there's flash or there's mold lines to uh, scrape them off. But I find it really useful despite its price. And I think lastly would be some kind of gap filler. Now, I really love weird miniatures because they tend to not leave very big gaps, if leave any gaps at all. But if there are gaps and you wish to fill them, there are several things that you could use for this. There's uh, green stuff, which is a two-part epoxy. You know it's a two-part epoxy because there's two pieces of different colored epoxy that you mush together and you um, squish it for a few seconds and eventually it will turn into a combination of those two colors and then you use that in whatever gaps or basing or all, anything else you want to put on the model and then it will eventually harden into a fairly rigid shape. The typical green stuff is relatively soft, so keep that in mind. Um, there's more rigid two-part two epoxies. I use middle putt for a lot of things. Middle putt tends to be a bit stiffer. It uh, holds up to um, cutting and sanding um, a bit more than green stuff, but it's not as flexible. So keep that in mind. Uh, I had someone recommend to me um, Mod Podge, which... I didn't realize they made stuff for miniatures, and I'm pretty sure it's not specifically for miniatures, but uh, I would give that a try. I haven't used it personally, so... But, hey, hey, someone's not going to recommend something that doesn't work, right? We're all friends here. And that's really it. I guess a couple other things that you could bring along, if you so choose, are instructions! Yeah, uh, I forgot to mention that. Those are probably, like, number one. Uh, instructions. All of Weird's standard models have instructions on their website. I usually just Google the name of the model and instructions, and you'll find it in the image search. Not that hard. Sometimes they take a while to come out with instructions for their Nightmare and Alt stuff, but uh, unless you're getting that you know hot off the presses, you'll be able to find instructions for it. So definitely, definitely get the instructions. My goodness. If you are not familiar with Weird Miniatures, you need the instructions. Um, another thing is probably uh, just a cup, a bowl, some sort of container for the bits. So, you know, you don't accidentally knock them off your workspace. Stuff like that. A designated workspace would be nice. Uh, back in the day, I was using my kitchen table, which is not the best thing for cutting with an X-Acto knife if you don't want to leave marks. Um, so I've got a desk downstairs now that I use for all of my assembly and painting, and it's got a nice, uh, cutting mat. And even if I, you know, cut the, cut the desk, it's, it's kind of crappy, so I don't really care. Um, I guess the last thing would be good, good lighting. Yeah. Might not necessarily know that off, uh, at first thought, but good lighting will make it a lot easier for you to spot anything that you lose. Um, these are pretty small pieces, so... Dropping them will happen, and if you're lucky enough not to drop them over carpet, 
it'll still be a lot easier to find them if you have good lighting. If you're on carpet, well, there's a trick for that. Something I forgot to mention that'd be a really good optional tool to have is a pair of tweezers, specifically reverse tweezers. Normally, tweezers, you need to squeeze them to pinch the end and grab the small object. But reverse tweezers are always clamped shut, and you only pinch them to open them, so you don't actually have to keep pressure on them to keep a hold of whatever tiny object you got a hold of. And they're very useful for putting tiny pieces into place, obviously. Okay, so let's open up the, the Scorpius here. I've cut the plastic... Let me look at the sprue. Okay, this guy's got two sprues. Big old base. Hooray. That's going to be a power marker until I actually want to play this guy. Not a ton of pieces. I'm genuinely surprised. The tail did pop off in the box, though. I managed to catch that, so. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven pieces. That's actually quite small. So, Weird is known for having lots of small, fiddly pieces for their models. But, to be fair, their models are small to begin with. And also, they're not like your heroic scale. They're not big and puffy and, you know, have weird proportions if you think about it. They're pretty pretty close to actual proportions, at least for humanoid stuff. And they're really, really detailed. I'm, like, still impressed about how detailed this stuff is. So, but... I think the reason why these things have come in so many pieces is because, one, they aren't the ones directly printing them. If you're familiar with Games Workshop stuff, they have that, you know, all in-house. Because they can afford it, they've got a stupid load of money. But Weird, Weird's gotta get a manufacturer. So the manufacturer, you know, takes what Weird wants, cut it up into tiny pieces that'll actually fit on a sprue, and that actually have the level of detail we expect. And to get that detail, I'm pretty sure sometimes you got to make things really small or to break up whole objects. Otherwise, it will just not fill out correctly. So that's often why you'll see, like, faces apart from heads and other crap like that. Um, so I'm not really mad or weird for that. If they had, like, billions of dollars, I'm sure they could buy the stuff to make them themselves. But they don't, because they're not Games Workshop, because they're a good couple. <clears throat> Anyways. So... All boxes come with a bunch of sprues, a base, and a card. This card is completely useless. It's second edition, so let's just throw that away. Mm. Okay, so you got your sprues. There's a couple ways to go about doing this. Me, personally, I tend to clip off all the pieces at once. I'm relatively confident in my clipping ability. Some people like to do them one at a time. Um, whatever you are most comfortable with. Keep in mind that one at a time means that you're only going to lose one piece at a time, so there's that benefit. Excuse me, I don't like to continually switch between tools, so I'll clip everything first, and then clean it, and then start assembly. So here's, like, the one big danger, and that's your sprue, fl your piece flying off the sprue into the void, and no one being able to find it except for Karina. These are small pieces, and they are attached by little bits of plastic. And pl plastic is pretty flexible. If you take your sprue and you just bend it a little bit, it, you know, it bends pretty easily. So that's where that sort of uh, tension comes from. When you clip it, um, it tends to send things flying as that uh, tension releases. So you got to keep track of these things, <laughs> and you got to be really careful. Now, 
a suggestion brought to me by uh, Roman from the podcast was what you should do is that you glue pieces together on the sprue. Well, you don't, you don't, you clip off a piece and then you glue it to another piece and then you clip that piece off and you keep doing that and you sort of assemble the model as you glue things onto the sprue and that way you have a bigger, heavier piece so you're not going to, or at least less likely to lose it. Hey, Victoria, want to join me? Um, I'm going to go check on the book. Okay. And that won't work. Sorry, it sounds like I don't like the idea. That'll work pretty well, except for the cases where um, the connection points, the points that you're supposed to be gluing together, are a part of where it's connected to the sprue, which what happens. My way of clipping, which I find to be incredibly effective, is I'll take the sprue in my left hand. I'm right-handed. And I'll actually just hold on to the piece that I'm going to clip with either my thumb and forefinger or thumb and middle finger. So the rest of the sprue is just sort of sitting in, in the notch in my hand um, between my thumb and forefinger. And it's in it's a pretty solid spot. So I take my clippers. I don't take my clippers. Where did my clippers go? Hey. Stop doing that. It's not good for your health. They're right here. Oh. All the way over there. Okay. We have two clippers, too. And I have one right in front of me that's not the red handles. I was looking for the red handles. Thank you. So I'll just hold on to it with my thumb and forefinger and clip the connection points off the sprue. And voila, I'm still holding on to it, and now it's off the sprue. And then I just take the piece and I put it, you know, in the container. Um, you know, I told you I should you should use a container for bits, and then I didn't get a container myself. I'm a genius. Let's just go ahead and use the box. Yeah, yeah. I know these pieces are super tiny, so they're not going to slip between the box opening. So we're using the box for this. So, you know, yeah, me personally, I just, you know, do it that way. I hold onto the sprue with my fingers, and then clip, and poof, comes off. Not going to go flying anywhere. I don't know if everyone has, like, magic hands like I do and can do this, but um, if it works for you, great. If it works better for you to just... Do a Roman's way where you glue pieces onto it as you go along, that's also great. Now, pay very close attention to what's sprue and what's bit. These are tiny pieces, and sometimes parts that look like the bit are a part of the sprue, parts that look like part of the sprue are actually part of the bit. Now, this is where your instructions come into play. Alright, you take your instructions, and you just check the piece with the piece on the instructions. Just make sure that you have all the parts for it. Usually using your gut feeling is pretty good because, for the most part, the sprues have uh, sort of a roundish peg and then a little tiny bit of plastic connecting the peg to the bit. It's that little tiny bit of plastic that you want to clip, if at all possible. Now, if it's really fragile or um, you can't really get your clippers in the right spot, then go ahead and clip further down because we're going to be cleaning these up. I'm definitely not going to leave these little bits of plastic on it, because that's ugly, and ugly models is a sin. We don't want to be sinning, folks. No, we're good scoundrels. Go ahead, and I'll get all these pieces off before we continue. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know that, that thing about um, me saying that I don't have an issue losing bits? Well... Clipping them off the sprue, no, I don't. Uh, I do that pretty good. But being an idiot and not making sure I actually put it in my container, oh, I still do that all the time. 
lost that guy on the carpet, but the leg was pretty easy to find, so nothing bad. Did I did I show you how I how I clip things off? Huh. I'm gonna have you try it out just to see if it's something you can do or if I have like magic hands. <laughs> do you have a sprue to? Oh my! I'm I'm cutting that out. <laughs> People might get to get the wrong idea about us, Victoria. You're married. I don't think I want to cut out lamp. Oh man, I should have done that. They're like actually difficult on like the Scorpius. Scorpius only has like twelve pieces. Twelve or eleven pieces. The technique, and you might already be doing this, is that you just hold on to the piece with your fingers while you clip it. So it doesn't go flying off. Oh, okay. You, do you have you already done that or? Um, no, I haven't. Okay. It seems really dumb that I haven't tried it. Yeah, I'm surprised no one's like publicly said that before. But oh, look here, Douglas Scoundrel's being a genius. All right, so we got our box full of bits. I threw caution to the wind and just dumped them out on my desk because I'm stupid sometimes. Alright, so you got all these plastic pieces with um, bits of flash on them. We call them flash, the, the parts that connected the piece to the sprue, and we want to get rid of those. So there's two things that we'll be wanting to get rid of during this cleanup process. That's flash and that's mold lines. Mold lines are what happens when the um, mold for the sprue is imperfect and little bits of plastic sort of squirt out in the, between the sandwich parts very technical terms there. And so it's it'll be present as a line on the model that's obviously not supposed to be there. Like, if you've ever had old plastic toys, anything you get from a, from a Happy Meal or whatnot, there's this big old ridge that's obviously where the mold separates on the toy. And that's what we're trying to get rid of here. We want pretty models. We want pretty models. Uh, this is the tail, and it has a giant chunk on it because that fell off. So let's get rid of that. So this is where your exact knife comes into play. You want to be super careful with this thing because cutting yourself with an exacto knife is not fun. So you know, simplest thing we're, we're shaving here. So you place it parallel to you know the flattest spot on the model, and then you just push it forward with your thumb very slowly. And just cut off the bit of flash. And you keep doing this until it's smooth. And you can tell it's smooth because you run a finger over it. Don't use your eye don't don't use your visualization because you're kind of breaking the surface of the plastic here and what's smooth and what's not smooth is not going to be that apparent. But if you run your finger over it and you don't feel any ridges, that's usually really good. That's usually good enough. There we go. And also, like, scrape it with a fingernail to see if the fingernail catches anything. And so this is this is good. For me, if you've got this lovely mold line remover here, then I'll just go over it with that. It feels at least a little bit rough. And the same sort of thing, just drag it along the surface of the bit, cleaning up, and this will make things super-duper smooth. Now, if you're having a hard time or you're feeling like it's really, really dangerous... Keep this in mind. One, you need a sharp blade. Um, you'd be surprised how quickly this soft plastic will dull your X-Acto blade, but the duller it is, the harder you have to press, the more likely you are to stab yourself. And that's bad most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. You could be a warlock. I don't know. So, controlling... 
how far the blade moves and how much pressure you put on it is pretty important. So, again, you don't stab yourself. So, for the most part, I will hold the piece in my left hand, as usual. And then I'll have sort of an anchor point, a part that I'm actually pressing against with my pointer finger on my right hand. And then the left hand... I mean, sorry. And then the, the right thumb will be what's right behind the blade. And so I'll just gently squeeze my thumb and forefinger together as slowly as possible to very slowly cut off the piece. And uh, for most X-Acto blades, if you look on it, um, there is a bit at the very base of it on the sharp side that is dull. And that's kind of what you want your to run into your forefinger if you're going to be pushing that up against any part of your finger up against the knife. Alternatively, like if you're having a hard time or you need to just move it very, very slightly without jerking it and again stabbing yourself um hold the piece with your thumb and left so in your left hand and the knife in your right like we've done before and what i'll do is that i'll bridge my two index fingers together put the knife where i want it and then i'll actually just move my wrists together and that moves it very slowly but puts a good amount of force behind it so i'm gonna go ahead and clean up these pieces and then we'll get on to the next step I'm still going to record this entire thing while I'm, while I'm cutting this. Because, you know, it'd be great to have a blooper reel while I stab myself after going through that whole thing about <laughs> how not to stab yourself. At least people will learn from my mistakes. Well, I, they don't see what I'm doing, so they won't learn from my mistakes. At least people will be entertained. Well, they will be entertained. This pleases me. You know, with the fiddly nature of these pieces, a lot of, like... I keep remembering that not all the time you're going to be able to use the same hand positions that I just said, so do what works, but I guess the overall general thing is that if you want a short amount of movement, try to get the motion in your wrists, not your fingers. Decide when it's better to pull towards you than away. You need to make sure you have a good grip on it, because you will still send things flying if you're not careful. And... Nothing hurts worse than thinking you're out of the danger zone and then losing your bit to the ever-hungry carpet. Sorry, what? The beard. The beard? My young beard. Oh, yeah. Yep, we lost our young Lowe's beard to the carpet. I thought I was good, and then I won't. We made one out of green stuff, though, so... Yeah, I think, like, the biggest piece that I feel bad about losing is the tube on Joss's arm, chest, chest arm. It goes from his chest down his mechanical arm. Mm. Ended up making that out of green stuff, the, the soft stuff, but uh, still feel really conscientious about it because I believe it was actually this case where I was cleaning it up and I lost it. Oh, almost forgot. So, I got the fancy mold line remover. I think it works really, really well. But, if you want to do more or less the same effect, you can actually just use the back of your X-Acto knife. It performs roughly the same duty. Just, the X-Acto knife has that sort of slight danger of uh, pointing a sharp blade upwards. And also, it's it's got a little bit of bend to it. So, as you're scraping or possibly trying to scrape... Uh, a bigger chunk, um, the blade will bend a bit, and there'll just be a little bit of, of snap there when it returns or cuts. It makes me uncomfortable, I guess is another reason why I got the uh, mold blade remover. But if you're smart, you're probably safe. And it does a pretty good job. 
And here's a perfect example of definitely needing a sharp blade. Um, long, thin, spindly bits have uh, a chance of just breaking in your fingers if you aren't cautious and careful. <clears throat> this is definitely where I use the, the wrist moving technique, or just um, using as much force with moving the blade as little as possible and keeping my, f you know, you don't know, keeping where I grip the piece as close to where I'm cutting and cleaning as possible because you want to have as little bend in the bit as you bought as much as you can and you want to have as little bend in the bit because yeah it can break and you can fix that as long as you retrieve the bit you broke off but you're still going to be ashamed and no one likes to feel ashamed i think is this a warlocks thing again sure. warlocks. warlocks they like to stab themselves they like to feel ashamed. Who are you working on? Uh, oh yeah. When you're done with her, is she gonna be your your Seamus from now on? Um, I don't know. I might switch them in and out. Yeah. Or you better bring Miss Feasance and Seamus and try to convince someone that they are the same model. Sorry. Bring Miss Feasance and Seamus and try to convince someone that they are different models and therefore you can bring them both. I don't have to hire extra masters. Yeah, you are. Just take like a Sharpie and black out that part that says this counts as Seamus for everything. In every way? Yeah, just black that out. If it's not on the card, then you can do it. I heard that somewhere. Oh, what's that? Yes. One thing you'll learn while modeling just exactly how much skin you can cut through before you start bleeding. It's actually quite a bit. It's amazing. And if you're using a clean knife, it's not going to sting. At least not nearly as much. Alright, so, got all of my pieces cleaned up, ready for assembly. Oh boy, assembly. Now, Scorpius here isn't too terribly complicated of assembly things, but, you know, Yan Lo's beard has been a meme. Um, since the model came out, I'm, I'm pretty sure. There are some pretty fiddly small pieces. But I'm not going to tell you to start with those. <laughs> I think the easiest way to go about this is actually start roughly in the center of the model on the instructions. Um, usually there's like a piece or two that all the other pieces are pointing to. You start with that one. And then you can just kind of go from inside out as far as pieces you attach to it. The ones close to the model you usually tend to be bigger ones. And so create more, go from, try to get as big of a model as, as possible and then do the fiddly stuff uh, later when that thing is easier to grip. Did you mention the safety warning about not trying to catch your X-Acto knife, drop it? Um, no. Don't try to catch your X-Acto knife if you drop it. So sometimes pieces look like other pieces. <laughs> And uh, sometimes you're not entirely sure how something's supposed to fit into the model. One, like, the most obvious thing is that um, you can see on the bit the part that's not supposed to actually be seen by human eyes once the model's complete. It's just got a different texture. There's, no, like, really no detail. Um, that's the part that you're going to be gluing. So you want to, you know, identify that and then 
stick it onto the model without putting any glue on it. This is called dry fitting. What dry fitting does is lets you make sure you know exactly how the pieces are supposed to fit together before you incorporate any sort of glue and ruin everything. Now, in some cases, you won't be able to dry fit because sometimes there are things that uh, kind of slot in so tightly that you can't really get them out without possibly destroying the piece. So just use your best judgment. But I'm going to go ahead and be using plastic glue here. Um, my plastic glue I have is <sighs> Citadel. I'm sure plenty of you people hate Citadel, and I'm not a fan or a hater, but it's what my local store has, so it's what I use because I like to support my local store. Now, this particular bottle of plastic glue, I lost the metal tube to. <laughs> I don't know if that's a problem other people have, but I tend to lose the tube to plastic glue disturbingly often. And so instead of using the nozzle without the tube, the tube for one lets you be more precise, but also like prevents you from putting out way too much. You definitely don't want to be using too much glue. Um, just the tiniest bit will usually work, especially with cement. So actually, let's talk about the different kinds of glue and why I recommend plastic cement over um, super glue. Um, super glue is what I would call additive. It uh, When it hardens, it's still there. It takes up space. And what it's doing is, is that it's just basically sticking to the two sides of the bit and then hardening into something that uh, forms a bond and it's pretty hard to break. But, you know, it's still there. And uh, I would consider it to be more brittle than using uh, cement. Plastic glue. I don't, I don't know why I can keep calling this thing cement. Whereas plastic glue, what it does is it takes the two bits and it melts them. Makes them melty and soft and malleable. And so when you mash them together, those two melty parts fuse together. Like, I don't know, jamming two ice cream cones together? Is there a better example you can think of? Um, not really, no. Okay. Ice cream cones. <laughs> so it, it more or less becomes one piece, which is a little bit more solid, and you have less of a gap issue to deal with. So back to my bottle. Um, since I don't have the metal tube, and I don't want to use too much, what I'm actually doing is I'm taking a toothpick, dabbing it in the bottle itself, and then just using that to spread on my piece. I would suggest if you have... A male and female end, like this Scorpius tail here. They put the glue on the male end because you have a better idea of how much is on there so you don't put too much. If there's like a pocket on the the bit that you're putting the glue on, you tend to like fill up that pocket and every bit around it, and then when you mush them together, um, it spreads out. You don't want glue to come out around the seam of the two bits. Um we as I just said, it's melting the plastic, and so if any of it gets out, it's going to get on the surface of the model, it's going to melt that part of the model, and um, it can like permanently warp and kind of ruin it. And if you are super dumb, like I was assembling Fernand Vogel, <laughs> um, I left a thumbprint on his crutch. Good job, Doug. So yeah, it's it, it's soft enough to actually keep the print of your thumb on it if you press down on it while it's it's soft like that. So big no-no. Use as little glue as possible. It'll work. Just trust me. Trust us. Trust the system. Trust something. Now that being said, there are times when I use super glue. I prefer super glue over plastic glue. It doesn't happen a whole ton, but um, sometimes 
bits are too small, or I break them. Small things like ropes and whatnot. You, you break them, the models are a bit fragile, but that's what we you know get for having such nice detail and such small models. Um, but when I break stuff, or if it's really small and I want to make sure that it has some strength and durability to it, I'll go ahead and use super glue. And that's because it'll usually form... Uh, I'll usually use a bit more than I should, and that'll sort of make a cast around the two pieces and uh, make them a little bit sturdier. Also, when you get plastic glue on yourself, you can just wipe it off, whereas super glue will stick to your fingers and just be an overall nuisance to get off. Oh yeah, it never comes off. Now would be a good time to mention that you can actually buy stuff called Debonder, which will allow you to get super glue off of your fingers and clothes and stuff without having to wait an extremely long time for it to eventually get brittle and pop off. I found some in my local hobby store. I think it shouldn't be that hard to find on the internet or at your local store. Always make sure to reference and double check against the instructions. Sometimes pieces you will just be like, I don't know which one goes in there. But if you look close enough, I mean, no two pieces are really identical. I think the only identical pieces I've ever seen were Steam Trunk, perhaps. Those ended up not mattering. So, in typical Doug fashion, um, the order I went in on this for this example is not the right one. <laughs> Probably should have put the little spiny bits in first. Another good thing about the plastic glue, I can actually tear these pieces off. Um, it takes a while for them to set, and then reassemble them. And as long as the glue didn't get on the outside of the model, usually they'll go back together without it being noticeable at all that you uh, separated them and then put them back together. So went ahead and ripped off the head, ripped off the tail, put the spiny bits in where it's supposed to go, and then putting them back on. Do you know if, they, if G. Moore still has the blog? Yeah. I don't know. Why don't you go ahead and check? Because that is an excellent reference. I'm surprised no one pointed it out. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing the name right, but there is a guy called G. Mortz, Gamortz, that did um, assembly reviews and instructions. He doesn't have the actual, like, put the pieces here kind of instruction that you get from Weird. But he has excellent advice and points out things that you uh, might need to know. And before you make a mistake. Uh, G-Mart's Chaotica. Yeah, G-Mart's Chaotica. Still active on Blogger. Okay, cool. I think he stopped making stuff, but all of his things are still out there. So if you don't have a very, very recent model, then probably still benefit from that. Very, very useful information. So, a couple of things that I remembered while doing this. Yeah, another reason I like plastic cement over... Super glue is that it tends to build a hold faster than super glue does. The second you put those two pieces together, they start bonding almost instantly. So often you'll just have to put, you know, touch them together, give a decent press, and then they should be good to go. As long as you don't fail with them, they'll be just fine. As opposed to super glue, where you've got to hold it there for a decent amount of time while the glue cures. Now there's Things called kickers that will accelerate the... I don't know if they're called kickers. The accelerants, stuff like that. 
that you can get, which will almost instantaneously solidify the super glue, but that makes it very fragile, uh, very fragile and brittle. And I do not re- recommend using that unless you can't, for some reason, get them to stick together. Okay, front legs, front stabbers. So you know that recommendation I said, working from the outside in. Yeah, don't let that override the whole dry fitting thing. And also, when you dry fit, keep in mind other pieces and how they're going to interact with your pieces, I mean, the pieces that you're fitting. Because if I was paying a little bit more attention to what I was doing, as opposed to trying to be entertaining, I would have realized that the head needs to go on after the spine, and the head needs to go on after the front legs. Whoops. Good job, Doug. But, again, wonderful for plastic. I was just able to rip that head off again for the second time. And put it back on. If you're putting stuff back on like this, I would uh, use less plastic cement. Okay, front legs done. Now this is a relatively good example of Scorpius. You've got two pairs of legs that look relatively similar. So how do they go in? Well, you take your instructions and you just stare at them. You stare at your instructions and try to pick out details that separate the two bits. And you usually figure it out. I can't even recall a situation where I wasn't relatively sure of what piece to use. They're small, so you can't exactly be too terribly upset that they sometimes look the same, but... Oh yeah, hey, look, dry fitting. Dry fitting figured it out, didn't even need to stare at the uh, instructions. (laughs) I should listen to my own advice. How'd you use that that clipping technique? Mm -hmm. How well did it work? Oh, all right, and there we go. We got one spidery bite. It's not a spider, it's the scorpion. I apologize to everyone. It's got eight limbs, though, so sort of sort of a spider. Was a leg a limb? A leg is a limb. Never mind, I'm wrong. All right, so once you're done assembling, you let them dry. Don't start, you know, doing other stuff with them. They got to need time to make sure that cement, you know, cures and solidifies. So put them away, I'd say overnight, if you possibly can. Next time you come to them, go ahead and give them a once-over, inspect them for any issue, any gaps. If you went a little overzealous with the glue, you might have some warping on the plastic. Um, go ahead and take your lovely exacto knife and just kind of scrape that away a little bit, just smooth it out. Um, it looks better than uh, leaving it be. If you see any egregious gaps, um, use your gap filler of choice. Um, I usually use... Um, Liquid green stuff. Hey, look, Citadel again. It's what my local game store has. Take the liquid green stuff, you'll thin it out a little bit with some water to make it actually fill in gaps a little more, and then you usually grab a really crappy brush and you paint it into the gap. Once it dries, you can scrape it off with the... or cut it off with the X-Acto knife, or or scrape it too, Um, depending on which gap filler you use. You might need to do a couple coats just to get it in there, but any sort of egregious thing... Go ahead and fill that gap just to make it look a little nicer. I have rarely ever had to fill a gap on a model, on a weird model. The only one I can immediately think of is, like, the original Razor Spine Rattler. Where it does a pretty good job with their minis. So, I guess we can talk a little bit about what happens after. Depending on how you like to paint your minis, you might mount this guy up, you might pin him, you might immediately go to priming... We'll get into that sort of stuff in a later episode, probably, because it seems kind of fun. I like doing this. 
But for me, I guess I can go for what I do. I usually will prime these guys alone. I don't, I don't put them on a base, and I tend to not pin them. I reserve pinning mostly for basing, if I need to really make sure that they're stuck on something. But when I paint them, I do put them on a base. But the trick I use is, uh, you know how we talked about how the um, super glue with the kicker, the accelerant, makes it almost instantaneously dry, but brittle. And that's actually what I use. I will go ahead and grab the model and glue its legs or feet or, or, or whatever to a base with super glue and hit it with that kicker. And then when I'm done painting, I'll just slide an X-Acto knife underneath where it's actually glued onto the base, and usually with just a little bit of prying, it'll pop off and it won't hurt the model. And that way I can do whatever I want with the base. The base is fine, the model's fine, and I have a, something to hold on to that is in the model when I paint. So let's talk maintenance of tools for a bit. As I said before, you want... A nice stockpile of spare X-Acto blades for when the one you're using goes uh, dull. I definitely don't want to be cut out with a dull blade and still trying to assemble stuff. Um, snips don't really require that much maintenance. Replace them after uh, you're noticing dents and nicks in them that are affecting their ability to snip things. Um, if you're like me, sometimes you use them to cut pinning rods, which kind of, you know wears on them a lot harder than plastic does, but I do what I gotta do. Your glue bottles will get disgusting pretty quick. Both the plastic glue and the super glue. Super glue will tend to get a little bit more gross faster, but both of them require a little bit of maintenance. With the plastic glue, you, there's some kind of nozzle that almost always is a part of the model, and uh, that thing will gum up pretty fast because it's so thin. Now, what I use for that is pretty weird. I've got um, several different sizes of pinning rods, and the really, really small one that's basically a, basically wire at that point will actually fit into the nozzle of the plastic loop bottle, and so I'll just jam it through there, which will kick out any clogs. As far as the super glue bottle goes. Um, I got this guy. I got some Zappa Gap. That's what I got from my local store. Does a pretty good job. Mini, medium CA+. Plus. Um, just use what you're happy with. What works well. Glue will just sort of come out of the nozzle and get on the bottle and start solidifying and become really gross. And if you're gentle, at least on the outside, and go and take your snips and just start shaving it with the snips. Just give it a little bit of squeeze, spin the bottle at the same time, and it starts taking off that gunk pretty well. Just try not to cut off the top of your <laughs> bottle, if at all possible. Um, same trick usually works for the nozzle. If you've got a nozzle with your bottle, uh, drive a uh, penning rod through it, or I think probably a piece of wire would work. I'm not exactly sure how thick wire is. Some kind of wire. And that'll degunk it. Have plenty of paper towels on hand, if you're painting, you usually do, but uh, make sure to get that glue off of the uh, pinning rods. Otherwise, those things get super-duper disgusting. Now, if the glue is solidified, at least partially, on the nozzle, you're going to have to get a little bit more aggressive. Uh, for me, I have my lovely um, pen vise. Pen vise being a very fancy name for a drill. That was for drilling holes in models so you can put pins in them. Because sometimes things need some support, or sometimes things have such a terribly tall, sorry, terribly tiny 
point of contact that you need to sort of support that little bitty foot so that it actually stay on the base instead of immediately falling off. So take that pen vise, that little screwdriver, and put in the smallest bit I have. Then I can actually drill through the nozzle and clear out all that dried gunk. Obviously, try and clean off your bed after that as well. When you're done, obviously, go ahead and clean up your junk, throw away any paper towels you use, the leftover sprues. If you like keeping the box for the artwork, it is very pretty artwork, then go ahead and do that. I used to have a whole bunch of them posted up in my office uh, to show off. No one ever asked what they were, sadly. I probably look like some kind of psychopath with all these crazy things up on the wall. Thank you to Weird, if you're listening to this, about having the artwork on the front and the actual picture of them all on the back. It makes it look a lot cooler, gives off the flavor of the game and the style a lot more to have the artwork on the front. And since it's almost always the exact same pose as the model, uh, you're not, like, deceiving anyone. They can always just look at the back and see what the actual model looks like. Sprues do have some uses, if you want to keep them. Uh, you can use them for, you know, cheap supports. At one point, I was using sprues to make floorboards on models. Just any sort of long piece of plastic you can use for any sorts of things. Just keep it, like... It's the same plastic that the model's made out of, so it fuses well to the model and has several different purposes. You can also do something that's called sprue glue, which I guess is another op option for a gap filler. And that's where you take sprue... Chop it up into tiny pieces or slice it up. Just make it really, really tiny. Put it in uh, some plastic glue. And that'll just melt it down in sort of a weird, gross slurry. And then you use that to fill gaps. And hey, it's the same plastic that the model's made out of. So it's a pretty good idea. Before I forget, definitely need to have this mentioned. Another way, Craig will probably kill me. So you've snipped off a tiny, teeny, tiny piece. A gremlin ear or Yanlo's beard or something like that my dignity. And it's lost in the vast void of the carpet. How do you get it back? Well, you grab a vacuum. But Mr. Scoundrels, you say, that's gonna suck up the piece into the bag and be lost forever. I don't... Most people don't have a bagged vacuum anymore. But anyways, what you do is you put a pantyhose over the hose of the vacuum cleaner. And this will keep the bit from actually, like, being sucked up into it. And then you can just run the vacuum along the floor very slowly. Because if it gets down in there, it's going to, you know, need a little bit of effort to pull it out. And you have a decent chance of getting your bit back. Um, there's always a uh, possible chance that it has flown behind the desk or is several thousand yards away. Those things can go pretty far. If you're not careful, make sure you keep your windows closed while assembling. The other danger is you might have a really disgustingly gross carpet, and then you'll be picking up a bunch of other things besides bits. And then you have to sit through all the dirt and hair to get to your tiny plastic piece. No, definitely not. We have cats. It's the cat's fault. Not my gloriously flowing locks. Now would be a great time to mention cats. Those adorable furry assholes. Try and always complete your model and make sure not to leave anything sitting out. It depends on cat to cat, but I know I have one that specifically likes to pick up models and pieces and make them disappear. I still haven't found my third Union Miner. Sad. Gary didn't deserve that. Anyways, also when you're done assembling your models, have a nice plastic container or something that's not very rigid. 
to put your assembled models in. I just have a couple plastic bins with a few drawers, dump all of them in there. They're pretty safe. They can rub up against each other pretty fine without anything really breaking. Just make sure you don't put anything super solid in there for them to break up against. No, I guess that's it. So, relatively small episode for you folks. I'm kind of sorry about that, but hopefully you'll get some information out of it, and I'll see you in two weeks. And as always, I say, fun is always key. Make sure that you having fun is the most important thing. Thanks. Have a good night. Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.